Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. Joe DeRoma is the managing partner of the Successful Mail North America. Prior to the Successful Mail, Joe spent nearly two decades in the hospitality industry, with his last decade being at Bloomin' Brands. And this is an ent- organization that manages entities like uh, Outback, Carabas Grill, and Bonefish Grill. Joe held positions as managing partner of a multi-million dollar restaurant, leading teams in operations, overseeing productivity for 189 locations, creating initiatives to enhance adjusted operating margins, and simplifying operational excellence. In his time at Bloomin' Brands, Joe discovered his passion for people development. Being a product of personal transformation himself, which I'm sure we'll hopefully we'll hear about today, he wanted to provide support for others to discover their full potential and gifts. Joe is a Newfield certified coach trained in ontology, somatic dispositions, and emotional intelligence, all big pieces, or at least most of them are, for bravery in the workplace, and specializes in personal development and leadership. Joe is bringing the successful male movement to the United States to awaken as many men as possible, and we're thrilled to have him join us today. Hello, Joe. Hey, how's it going, Ed? It's going great. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. How about yourself? I am doing terrific. Thanks. And so I took a stab at introducing you, and I'm just wondering if you, if you could share a little bit more about how uh, you currently interact in the marketplace and what type of work that you're doing. Sure. It always sounds great whenever uh, someone's reading nice things about you. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's much better hearing it from others. Um, I, I would say that my focus right now is the Successful Mail podcast, uh, you know, where we bring on experts to uh, talk about their journey uh, from, you know, to excellence, right? And how they're impacting the lives of others. Um, Our mission right now is to impact the lives of a million men around the globe uh, to bring about, you know, their gifts like you talked about, as well as uh, making sure that they make character and integrity a high focus and have a multidimensional transformation in their life because life is multidimensional. So, so should your development and the, the ultimate impact that that would have 
is then they would be able to positively impact their families, communities, and nations. And, you know, if we're doing that, we're, we're doing a job well done. Uh, I have a coaching practice as well, focusing on ontology, and I'm a loving husband, a attentive father, um, a, a loyal friend and, and son and brother, and I'm um, just pleased to be here. Great. Well, we all wear many hats, right? So sometimes I think about all the hats that I wear and I'm like, oh my God, how do I do it? But we all te- uh, seem to find a way. So there are some aspects to your background I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Joe, and I think our listeners would slap me on the wrist if I didn't ask you to tell folks, because I don't think most folks know what ontology is. Absolutely. It's the study of being. So our being, our body, emotions, and language. Uh, we couple that with epistemology, which is the study of learning. So how we learn and and then also cosmo- cos- cosmology, right? So the study of the cosmos. So basically, it's how I see myself, how I see the world, and how I see myself in the world and discover how it is that you show up in order for you to, um, you know, get into the, a place of limitless possibilities for your belief systems. Wow, fantastic. So that was one of the reasons I was excited to speak with you today, because I believe there are some aspects of that that overlap with bravery in the workplace where you're experiencing something that you don't think is right or a conversation that you need to hold with somebody about how you're experiencing them and what are some really good and effective ways to do that. How about somatic dispositions? Also, I think our listeners would love to know a little bit more about what that is. Sure, that's body language. So there's four key uh, somatic dispositions that we cover uh, within Newfield Network. It's um, resolution, flexibility, openness, and stability. And uh, research has shown that anywhere between 60 to 90%, depending on who the researcher is, uh, says that that's how we, uh, that's how we pick up information is through body language. And uh, quite often when we're talking about development, when we're talking about how we show up and when we're talking about how we feel or think about things, uh, we don't incorporate the body. But in order to really get into a place of alignment, you have to incorporate the body with the motions and with the language as well. So the overall goal is to create coherency between those three domains and um, within that space, you have a much better chance of pretty much running the programming, right, rather than the programming running you. And it gives you a powerful place to be in terms of choice. We choose how we show up. And when you have that coherency that you've worked on in, intrinsically uh, through development, you get to show up however it is that would best serve you. And quite often people think that, oh, this emotion is wrong or bad or how I'm feeling is wrong or bad. And it's and I'm here to tell people it's not right or wrong. It's does it serve me or does it serve? Doesn't it serve me? Right. Um, people quite often are, you know, they, they, they don't want to be afraid. Well, <laughs> like it's I'm in Tampa, so it's probably a healthy fear not to jump in the lion's cage here at Bush Gardens. That's a you know, that's a very good fear. Um, but, you know, we could go off on that all day. Well, I love that mental model. And I think for our listeners, you know, this mental model of getting away from whether it's right or wrong, which feels very subjective and very different for different people and 
asking yourself a better question, which is, is what I'm experiencing working for me or not working for me? And if it's not working for me, then perhaps I'd be motivated to do something about it. And of course, it takes practice and thought about doing it. You just don't jump into it. But, you know, I really like that, that, you know, get away from is it right or is it wrong and think about the fact as to whether it's helping me or not. The last area, Joe, that I think of uh, is of interest is also emotional intelligence, right? So this is a huge area of interest for lots of people. To me, this is a huge piece of being brave in the workplace that a person who has high emotional intelligence capabilities uh, is more likely to be effective in having a tough conversation with somebody as opposed to someone whose emotional intelligence capabilities are low. But what's the work that you've done there? And uh, you know, how do you bring that to the marketplace? One of the things that I, I love to focus on is the definition of, war, of, of the emotions. Uh, so often we think that we know and understand the meanings of things based off of the context that we've picked up over the years. But if you just go to your old trusty Merriam-Webster you know, dictionary you may just find some answers to what it truly is, right? So within our, our teaching, um, you know, we did about 50 linguistic deconstructions of emotions to better understand what it is and what it's not. And not like, hey, what do I think it is? What act, What is it actually, right? So the first thing was just, right, better understanding, better learning, so that way you understand, you know, what it is when it surfaces, right? So emotions surface in the body, thoughts show up in the mind. There's a very clear distinction between the two. So it's really about, <coughs> excuse me, it's really about when something surfaces within your, within your emotions, it then, uh, it, it shows up in your body. It then sh sends those signals to your brain through your nervous system and then your brain's like, hey, there's an alert going off. I need to do something about it, right? Um, and then conversely, it, it, it will do the other way where we'll totally spin ourselves out in fear. And I haven't even left my bedroom, you know, so and you can feel it. You're sweating. It's like it's real. So it's, it's really about creating awareness, um, how these things show up in your body and accepting it right and then taking new actions well we we talk a little bit about emotional management when it comes to being brave in the workplace and it's not that you're not impacted by emotion oftentimes what's leading you to some type of progress might be an emotional reaction to something someone has said or the way that someone's behaving or the impact they're having on the team and yet we also encourage people to manage emotion because i find oftentimes uh unmanaged emotion can be a distraction, right? That if you get too angry or start getting too upset with somebody that the topic you're talking about might get, uh, you know, move to the second tier, right? Because now I'm thinking more about how you're acting versus what it is that we're talking about. So I'm not sure if that dovetails with, with the work that you do or even makes any sense. Well, it does. So the emotions will place a certain level of um, pressure upon the mind and place it into some sort of uh, survival mode, right? And then once you get into that space, you're simply drawing on, on, you know, solutions that have served you before. Where, <coughs> excuse me, where 
that that that's not going to serve us in that space. Like you said, properly managing our emotions doesn't mean that I'm stuffing them. It means that I let them surface. I question them. I ask, hey, what, what what's going on here? What can I learn from this? Why is this surfacing? And to really try to gain an understanding of why that's happening, right? Because the majority of this, the subconscious imprinting that happens in terms of our identity imprinting happens before the age of seven. So it's not like it was something that was very much within your control. But now that you're 38, you know, and you're in an office meeting with, you know, 12 other VPs and directors, it's probably not best to scream back at your mom, you know? So, but, but these are the things, but people don't realize that that is where it's coming from. And once you gain that awareness, you can have just clear awakenings, clear awakenings to uh, being able to manage it properly, right? Just that awareness of why those belief systems are they are and why it's showing up and why it's disturbing you so much in that moment. Then you can let it come up, let it surface and let it go because you know that it won't serve you to get all, all bent out of shape uh, because somebody maybe slighted you in a meeting in front of everybody, whether it was true or not, you know, and then you handle it, uh, you handle yourself with integrity and you handle yourself with character. And, you know, you talk about that on, on, on another time, you know. Well, and this is why oftentimes when somebody, and let's just call it overreacts at the meeting, and most of our listeners, Joe, are people who are 38 or plus and are in meetings with 12 people and are feeling some type of emotional experience that may be happening. Uh, this is why oftentimes people say, hey, I'm really sorry about how I behaved at the meeting this morning, right? They're talking more about the emotion they demonstrated uh, or what it was they said versus uh, you know, how they handled themselves appropriately. The last part of your bio I just wanted to talk about, Joey, before we talk about bravery in the workplace specifically, is you mentioned that you're also a product of personal transformation. And I'm just wondering if you're comfortable talking about what that means. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, there's no secrets here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I, was so, I was a troubled youth, um, to, to say it lightly, for the sake of, uh, <laughs> for the sake of time. Um, and that carried into my early 20s. And in 2009, um, after getting in trouble with the law again, um, I, it was a second DUI. So I, I, I uh, have alcoholism that runs in both sides of my family. And I decided to make a change. I decided for the first time um, in my life to take responsibility for my actions, to own my results and no longer say that I'm a victim of my parents, girlfriends, teachers, police officers, all the people, you know, that were doing me wrong and it wasn't me. They were all wrong and I was right. Um, so the moment that and this is what I tell people a lot, too, and I've really been on this this whole year, is that I think often we discredit the drive that desperation places upon us in order to change. Yes, there's motivation. Yes, there's inspiration. But desperation, desperate people are on a path to change. And it doesn't matter 
what's standing in their way, they're they're ready. And and I was very desperate at that time to change. So I did. And, you know, two months after that, I had a son. So there was all of that looming as far as being responsible for another human being. And, and you know, really low living, low integrity. My word wasn't really worth anything and everything that goes along with that. And I set on a, a course of action to totally change my life. I started with spirituality, you know, my spiritual development. I uh, then moved into leadership and uh, which a lot of it kind of coincides. It's all really the same language, just written differently. Um, I, I got into positions of leadership again, leading people and got heavily into, um, you know, emotional intelligence and disc assessments and, you know, TKIs and all these things. And um, I loved it. I just I loved working on myself and as a result of that, um, I discovered leading people that, you know, I was gifted with making people feel comfortable talking to me, you know, being open about my own transgressions, being open about my own defects, uh, admitting, admitting when I was wrong very quickly in front of in public, right? And having the confidence to do things like that is very attractive to people that that uh, uh, that are looking for a leader and, and looking for somebody to, to coach them on becoming better because it's not ju- you're not just talking about it. You're, you're about it, you know. And so the other thing I would say too, Ed, is that in those conversations with people um, over the years, I realized that I was really good at it. And I think quite often people, they don't place enough credit on if you're really good at something, there's a reason probably why you should be doing it, regardless of how you feel about it, because, you know, our gifts are placed inside of us and it's our job as we get older to, you know, uncover it through everything that we're not. Right. So um, there was that part of it. And uh, so going through that experience of changing my life and and going through that experience of leading people and, and awakening them to their gifts. I'm like, you know what? I should probably go get some training and, and start doing this to really make an impact on the world and, and make an impact on organizations and, and, and other leaders, you know, leaders create leaders. We're going to pause in our conversation with Joe DeRoma and ask that you join us on our next podcast, where we will continue to talk about bravery at work. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, electronically, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.